your Locked On Penguins, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, welcome to this Wednesday afternoon episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the app and join me this week. I'm not sure what day and time it's going to be yet just because the last couple weeks I've just been so swamped with the podcast and other stuff. But um, I'll let you guys know as soon as I can. Locker Room changing the way we talk sports. So today we have a special guest joining us on the Locked On Penguins podcast. He's come on here a couple of times. Um, he actually came on here during the playoff series last year, um, the game before the Penguins got eliminated. Hopefully history does not repeat itself <laughs> tonight. Um, and that is Mad Chad of the 412 Sports Talk. Him and Eddie do an outstanding job overall with their podcast. I mean, they just had Bob Grove on there, for God's sakes, just last week, and that was a great conversation. So please check it, them out and all their content. But uh, Chad, how you doing today, man? I, I'm chilling, I, to be honest. Like I, I don't have the sense of dread that I had last year or the year before, because I think this Penguins team is 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 much better, um, you know. And we're and I know we're going to talk about that, but I don't I don't have that sense of dread. I I can easily if they play the same way, the same exact game or close to it, I can easily see them them bringing us back for Game Seven. Yeah, you know, they're obviously probably not going to play nearly as bad as they did in Game 4 in that building, but, you know, maybe it won't be as good as it was in Game 5, but even if it's close to the Game 1 or Game 2 level, um, that that should be good enough uh, to bring it back to Pittsburgh, where I'm sure they're going to bump their capacity as the Coliseum did for tonight. There's going to be 9,000 fans there uh, packed into the vaccinated section, and for the unvaccinated section, I think it's going to be more spread out. But this series is so weird, Chad. You know, just we'll preview Game 6 a bit tonight, but it really just comes down to a couple things. I don't really know why people are going at the numbers and the analytics of it. I mean, if you go to Statric and stuff, <laughs> Penguins are top five in basically every statistical category among all playoff teams. It's really just come down to one goalie is Yaroslav Halaking them from 2010, and the other one is kind of playing like Marc-Andre Fleury a bit that year with giving up all the goals. And then you couple that with the Penguins not finishing any of their high-danger chances, which is just a total 180 from what they were doing during the regular season. And this is what you get. It's more random and luck, I think, than anything else with this series. As far as the metrics go, part of that's frustration. You look at, you know... <clears throat> If you're looking at stats, you, you know, people are basically what I'm getting at is I don't want to hear about the stats, just win the game. And that that's that's an emotional reaction. And when your team is when you're when you're and I, I know that they can see what this, the thing about the metrics are. All they are is just to back up what we see. So you watch yeah. a game and you go, I think that guy played good and go look at him. Like, yeah, he did play good because uh, we, you know, none of us are like. Hawkeye out there where we can see every single thing and, and how it all plays out. We have to go back and watch replays and stuff like that. Uh, the, the metrics are always going to be an issue because what people can do right now is say, see, yeah, look, the Penguins are leading in Corsi, but they're losing the series. But it's like, well, no, that's just one metric. We're looking at the whole picture and, you know, they came up with goals saved above average, which is taking shot quality and, you know, everything into play as far as, you know, should the goal, should a shot go in? Should it not go in? Was it a high danger chance? Was it not? And right now the biggest, and if you can't see it, I can't help you is 
the Islanders are getting elite goaltending and the Penguins are getting below average goaltending. And that's why they're trailing three, two. I, I hate to simplify it that much, but that's really how simple it is. No. Yeah. You're, you're 100% right. I mean, and I, I saw this, um, taken Adam Gretz's article this morning, which you shared on Twitter. A great you know, article. Yeah. They've went, they've ran into, this has happened so many times for this team in the playoffs. They run into God or Dominic Hasek playing goal. You know, when Carey Price, who was so bad last year, goes on a 940 heater in the bubble. Robin Leonard, who was a Vesna finalist, I think, in 2019. You know, he's ha- he's on a heater, even though the Penguins' defensive issues were, um, I think, the main reason why they lost that series. I don't, I'm not going to really put the blame on Matt Murray. It also doesn't help when you run into a hot goalie. You, of course, have Tuka Rask, 985 in 2013, when Tomas Vokun was 933. It's just, you know, even when the Penguins have had good goaltending in a series, it's just been amplified by the other team having even better goaltending. I think that's where a lot of frustration has been for the Sid and Gino era. And, you know, of course, so people are going to be like, well, you know, just score, just score. And it's like, what do you think they're trying to do? They put 50 <laughs> shots up in a, a little over four periods of play. I mean, that is just ridiculous. I mean, uh, they, the, last, they the last game, game five. Yeah, last game, they threw every – I mean, they – they did everything they could, and 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 two, two, two. Not to make Sorokin out to be a god, the Penguin. The, he did get lucky a couple of times. There was some shots that he he did not see whatsoever, and it's just you know that's the way it's going right now. The Freddie Goudreau one when he tipped that, that's going five hole any other time. Yeah. They're going home with a three two lead. He, that was a great. He just stood there because he didn't even see it. His eyes didn't even move to the puck, and it just hit his pad. If that's an inch to the right, that arena goes bonkers and then we're going up three to two going to the coliseum so uh, again a lot of it is luck i mean you saw chris letang's huge chance in overtime i think even josh yoey wrote in his article from his vantage point that looked like it was going in and then he gets a blocker on that but um it's just it's just been unfortunate and you know this has not been the last two years of what you've seen from this team how they've gone out with a whimper they're definitely not going to go out with a whimper i don't think Tonight, they're really going to give it everything they have to try to send this series back to Pittsburgh because they have been the better team. But, I mean, obviously the big thing for tonight, you know, before um, we do get to our commercial break in a few minutes, I mean, you got to have the goaltending play at least average for one game. I mean, Tristan Jari has shown an ability to bounce back um, from bad performances. You know, say what you want about him. You know, he's definitely been inconsistent this year. In my opinion, I think he's been overall more good than bad, though we're just seeing in this series him revert to the bad that you saw in the first month of the season. I don't think that's, you know, arguable. But if he can, you know, bounce back like you saw in game two or after that six goal period against the Devils, he allowed two one goal in the next two games. I, I feel like a broken record after saying that. If he can just bounce back for that one game, that'll just do so much for his confidence and I mean, the Penguins are playing well in front of them, too. Like, that's, like, the biggest thing. They're just, whenever the Islanders get one singular chance, it's in the back of their net. And they just, they got to get good goaltending tonight if they're going to send this back. Yeah, I mean, and that's what I'm, like, it's weird because when when Murray was here, I felt like there was a lot of people that were ready to blame him. The puck could have got deflected and three Mm -hmm. times, and people were like, oh, you got to make a save. And you got to make a save. Like, even the first goal, 
um, which uh, right away everybody wanted to blame Latang for, which is just I'm I'm sorry for listening to this and you blame Chris Latang for the first goal. You're wrong. I'm sorry. I don't know how anyone else to say that, but you know there was a lot that went wrong on that play. Gensel played like some of the weirdest defense I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah. Brian Dumoulin also had a bad pinch. But at the end of the day, when you go back and watch that first goal. It was an unscreened shot from the left side on a right-handed shot, and he had two guys back-checking, so he wasn't going to be able to make any kind of move. I mean, you got uh, make a save. <laughs> make I mean, yeah. it's okay to make a save, and Tristan Jari has not made the the kind of big saves that you need this time of year. Yeah, and you know, especially after how dominant that first period was, those first nineteen minutes, that should have been a, at least a three nothing game going into that intermission. Um, and who knows if he does make that save, who knows what happens for um, the rest of the game. Obviously, you know what happened with his blunder was just one of the worst things I think I've ever seen him do. <laughs> Honestly, took yeah. me back to game four of 2014 against the uh, Blue Jackets where Marc-Andre Fleury came out of his net and then just gave it away. I think it was to Brandon Dubinsky, if my memory serves me right. But yeah, you can, you can make a save. You're 100% right. And they just... It's been a problem for a lot of this season. It didn't come up as much during the end of it, but they just haven't been able to get a timely save from um, neither either of their two goaltenders. Honestly, you probably could argue that Casey DeSmith has made more of a timely save when, when he's been playing yeah. than Tristan Jari. And it does stink that DeSmith is not healthy because I think Sullivan may have already upturned to him already i mean i did see some takes coming after the last game chad uh, oh they should start um the, the third string goalie and you know they're not gonna do that here i mean they got nor to, should they i mean but that's the thing is you know and we were talking about this off air they they went in to this season saying tristan jari is our number one goalie and i i questioned that yep. from the beginning because even last year, the first half of the season, he was great, but then he did tail off. And you, when you go look at his metrics, uh, Jay Fresh uh, was, was, or no, actually Jeff from Penn's blog was sharing it out. Mm-hmm. Where it looks like this: it's a roller coaster. It's really good, really bad, and 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 again, that does that reminds me of Matt Murray, and that reminds me of a young Mark Andre Fleury. And Tristan Jari's a young goalie. He's, he's, this is his first year as a first starter, and they went all in with him. And I said, I, I don't know about that. And because here's the thing. Even if you have a guy that you think is your number one goalie, I think today in the modern NHL, you have to have a 1B. It's 1A, 1B. I don't think it's number one and number two anymore. Because look at the Dallas Stars last year. They had Ben yeah. Bishop and, and, and Hudobin. I, I think now – and look at the – as great as Flurry is right now – I I still wouldn't be surprised if you see Robin Leonard at one point this playoffs oh, because yeah. that that's been the mo on Flurry is he's either a god or he or he's he sucks and I think nowadays you need a, someone that can come in at a, at the moment's notice and maybe Casey the Smith was that guy but I still thought goaltending was something that Rutherford should have looked at yeah and you definitely think you know as Hextall is also a former goalie I mean a better goalie than Rutherford and he mismanaged the Carter Hart situation which was why he lost his job so I'm I'm looking at the goalie situation closely yeah I think he's probably learned some lessons from that there's also a lot of good goalies hitting the market this year Um, Philip Grubauer from uh, Colorado is hitting it Linus Olmark um, I'll probably touch on that um, either later in the episode or after this season whenever it ends if it ends tonight maybe I'll touch on that on the Thursday or Friday episode, but also I saw something from Seth Rawbaugh. They have invested a lot into Tristan Jari. They drafted him, what, eight years ago? 
they apparently they've gotten him a lot of coaches over the years. They've changed it out. They said that he was going to be the heir apparent to Flurry before Flurry left. They then chose him over Matt Murray when honestly you could have flipped a coin on it and just picked one of the two. I know Murray was a bit older and was seeking more of a payday, but I mean it was just heads or tails on which goalie was going to be better. Um, even though just the, the, the age one's a bit older, um, but it's really. Um, not by much, but we still have a bit more to get to for this episode of Locked on Penguins podcast. We're actually going to fully preview uh, Game 6 coming up in the next segment and what the Penguins will really have to do to send this back to Pittsburgh. I mean, it's pretty straightforward, <laughs> I think at least. But before we do that, it's time to talk about a couple of things, one of them being Locker Room. It's the perfect place to start or join conversations about the league. You'll find fans just like you on Locker Room for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and of course, reacting to big news or rumors you have a chance to chat with me and might even have a chance to be featured on the Locked On Penguins podcast through our locker room conversations. Be sure to join me this week. I'll be hosting a, a room maybe around Friday or Saturday. You know, my girlfriend is going out of town with some of her college friends to the beach, so that'll probably be a great time to do it. Go download the free locker room app now, currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the NHL group for the latest league updates. Follow me at Hunter Hodes to be notified when my room goes live. I know you won't want to miss it. See you there. Locker room changing the way we talk sports. We also cannot forget about Bilt Bar. Did you know that they have nine delicious flavors? When you talk to a Bilt Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about their favorites. If you don't know the Bilt Bar flavors, well, you're missing out. A few of them are the mint brownie, raspberry, chocolate, um, coconut almond, and the peanut butter brownie, which is, of course, my favorite. Um, if you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mixed box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors. Most of them have 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, and only 4 grams of net carbs. You can go to BillBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BillBar.com. Okay, so we're back here on this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. Chad, this just seems like a game tonight where, you know, I think two of the three core players really go off. I've not, I'm kind of sick and tired of people going after Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang. I think Letang has enjoyed his finest playoff series since 2000. I think he's been their best player. <laughs> he's He's been remarkable. And this guy's only, he's, he's 34 years old for Christ's sake. I mean, he was... In 2016, he was 29, and that was the best I've ever seen Chris Letang play, and he's basically rivaling that right now. I think you're going to see him have another really good game. It looked like he didn't even break a sweat as that game went into double overtime. And for Evgeny Malkin, you know, I understand it. You know, there's this anti-Russian bias that people like to hold on to, and well, well, you know, he, he's just he's lazy. He does all this stuff, but he also scored in the last game, and he looked like he was galloping like he uh, was in old times. I think he will see a big game from him tonight, and I think that's going to be hopefully the big reason why Pittsburgh uh, sends this back to BBG. Yeah, I, I've i been beating the drum about, like, I, I don't know what this anti-Evgeny Malkin stuff is about. Yeah. Uh, it's very weird because he's he's never had off-the-ice issues. He's, to me, one of the three or four best players of his generation. Uh, hands down, future Hall of Famer. I would say he's one of the 25 best players of all time. And how, I don't know how exactly he's lazy. I don't know how you can be lazy and be one of the most consistent players. Win a con Smythe, MVP, two scoring titles. He's helped this team win three championships. He was... 
instrumental in the 2009. He was the Conn Smythe winner, and he was in top the top three in points in both of, of the other two cups as well. Uh, there was probably arguments to be made in 2017 that he could have been the Conn Smythe over Crosby because he had more points. Um, I don't understand the, the this. He got off to a really rough start to the season, but a lot of guys did. Half this team got off to a rough start yeah. in, in the season. They really didn't start turning it around until February. Um, he's been fine. Uh, his, all his metrics look good. I, I thought that uh, he definitely had to get like he had to get going, and the Islanders have definitely been going after his knee. I, I I shared some videos of that, but I think he's been fine. And and Chris Letang, I mean, listen, I I'll tell this is what I always say to people. Uh, if I'm out right, if I'm out at a bar or yeah, restaurant, yeah. and we're in yeah. hockey. Hockey comes up. I'll bring. I'll purposely bring Chris Letang's name up because that's that will allow me to gauge someone's hockey IQ uh, right then and there. Um, I, I don't know what people are watching. Uh, he had. He's only. He hasn't even really had a ton of the miscues. The only miscue he really had was when he pushed. Uh, a player into his own goalie, and, and yeah. everybody rightfully said, "Hey, what are you doing?" You know, and that and that's actually not even a Latang thing. For some reason, that happens all the time in the yeah. NHL. I don't know why, but that's the only like big time miscue I can think of. Other than that, I think I think there's an argument to be made that he's been their best overall player through like consistently through this series outside of Game Four. Yeah, I mean he he has been. I mean he's been playing what 25, 30 minutes a night basically. He played. Over, I think, 35 minutes in the last game. And he looked like, like I said, he didn't even break a sweat because he's just so well conditioned. And you're right. Yeah. I mean, I, I've also said what you've said on the podcast. You know, if you're going to, uh, if you, what well, your opinion of Crystal Tang will tell me how much you truly know about hockey. And if you think he's bad or something like that or should be traded, I'm just probably not going to take you serious. Um, outside of that, Chad, and just, you know, the need to obviously get to Sorokin and, get good goaltending. Um, what else are you looking for from the Penguins tonight if they want to send this back to Pittsburgh for a seventh game? I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that Sullivan showed them the the tape from game five and what they did. The one thing I'll agree with about the metrics before game five was, and even Jesse Marshall showed this out, and we were, you know, they have those heat maps showing where all of our chances are coming from. Mm. They weren't getting to his front office a lot. They, they, they needed to get the net. But the last game, they did that. And I can go, we can go back and watch the game. I can show you sh- multiple shifts where they were creating utter chaos, and even in the third period in overtime. And again, we pointed out that a lot of it was kind of blind luck by, you know, the, the puck the puck would hit Sorokin. He wasn't even looking, and they yeah. were creating chaos. So if I'm Sullivan, I'm saying, look, guys, I promise you, if we just do the same thing, eventually, like, they're, like mathematic, mathematically, there's no chance of it, like, not going in eventually. Jake Gensel... I can't imagine how frustrated that guy must be right now because he played his butt off game five. He had a great play on his off wing where he swooped in and and he's just getting, it's just unlucky right now. They're doing everything they can. Um, They're going to have to try to draw some penalties too. I'm not saying go out there and embellish, but listen, if someone, if someone trips you up, (laughs) you got to go down because they got to find a way to get a power play. The, the, The lack of power plays has really evened this series up for the Islanders because the Penguins are the better team five on five, but the Penguins aren't getting these extra chances. So they got to find ways to get power plays. And how do you do that? You outskate, you outskate them, you out effort them and, and, and you, you do all everything necessary. Also, one thing I would like to do, if this game is another close game, 
with some. I would like to maybe see um, Malkin and Crosby out there together yeah. for a shift or two. Uh, it's been a we some Pens fans talk about this a lot, but like back if you go back to 2007, 8, 9, 10, they used to do that. Like they used to go out like the, if they needed a end of the second period, and they they would just throw those two out there, and they create so much. I'd like to see that. Um, I'd like to see Brandon Tanev get a lot of playing time. Uh, I thought that he was fantastic in the tone setter, uh, and I wasn't even a huge fan of when they signed him, but I'm eating crow because he has been fantastic. So I'd like to see Brandon Tanev maybe – like last game I was looking – Jason Zucker led all forwards in ice time, and I was kind of scratching my head at that. Uh, give Tanev that ice time. Give Jeff Carter that ice time instead. I'd like to see these guys that are really bringing it you know, as the game goes on uh, get those chances. Yeah, and I especially feel bad for someone such as Jason Zucker. I mean, you're probably going to see him moved in the offseason. Um, but he's actually played his ass off in this series too. And that one chance I go back to, I think it was in the second period. They're up 2-1. to one And he just he, he like waits and looks like Sorokin's out of his net. And then he like passes the puck. And it's like just the total byproduct of overthinking it. I do agree with also doubling up Sid and Gino. For some reason, Mike Sullivan has not been keen on it throughout his coaching tenure here. Um, say what you will about Dan Bilesma. I never really thought he was that good of a coach, to be honest with you. At least he would actually double up Sid and Gino um, when needed. And you saw it work with that Brian Rust goal um, from 55 feet out. And it's funny how um, Sorokin will give that up, but then all he'll save all the... I think for this series, I saw... Uh, someone tweeted, I think he's faced 36 high-danger chances, and he's only let in two goals high-danger-wise. So it's just... Absurd. Yeah, I mean, that's that's Dominic Hasek, Patrick Waugh stuff um, right there. But, you know, you're obviously going to... Yeah, I mean, I agree with you with the power play stuff as well. You're going to have to buy some calls. You know, so what if these mouth-breathing snobs on Long Island don't are going <laughs> to boo about it? You know, that's just... They haven't seen a cup since the first week. I think the Islanders have, have, have embellished a ton of their penalties. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I thought Cal Palmieri. I, I swear he he literally dove on one of the uh, on one of the tripping calls they called. It was it was all they did. They had the, the sticks. They were battling, and then his stick goes on. He literally like went like he he jumped. You know you got to do what you got to do. I, I will say I think you know you got to get in front of Sorokin. Yeah. The more the the less he sees, the better because they're getting legit chances. You you know it's one thing to possess the puck, but a lot of this series has been all perimeter play for the Penguins. They come in, and the Islanders are so they 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 are so well coached. Barry Trotz is a great coach, yeah. and they know what they're doing. Is they're like, you guys can have the puck all game. We're gonna we're gonna bottle up the front of the net. Good luck. That's fine. Last game they started to break the code a little bit. Continue doing that. You have to skate. You have to. You have to. You have to move the puck once once you have possession of it. I want to see a cycle going, but I want to see guys, Crosby, everybody, I want to see them going to the net. That's how goals are going to be scored against this guy. If he's seeing the puck, this guy's dialed in right now. He's going to stop it. It's going to be the same thing. Yeah, and they just they have that basically that box that they put that is almost like a square where they have four guys protecting the net and one guy usually pressuring the puck carrier when the penguins are in the zone. And it's a hard code to to crack just because of like like you said of how well coached they are and I'm just going back to the power play stuff I think the penguins have only had eight power plays in this series usually um it's a lot higher than that through six games but so yeah, less than two a game yeah I mean that's a byproduct of how the league likes the game to be officiated you know I hate it I saw Dom's piece in the athletic yesterday it's a joke they need to call more penalties and that has swung in the Islanders favor because the penguins have not had 
the ability to change the game with their power play. And, you know, vice versa, the Penguins PK has not really had a chance to swing the game in their favor just because the Penguins PK has not really been out there much at all. So um, the special teams play has just been completely thrown into the garbage because it's really just not been um, a factor. But um, we still have a little more to get to before I do let Chad go here. Uh, but before we do that, it's time to talk about one thing, bet online. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing. You can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and RU UFC action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile phone and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts with the promo code locked on. Okay, welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. I just, I'm, I'm hoping that this is the last game uh, overall at the Coliseum, not just for the Penguins, because obviously this will be the last game for <laughs> Pittsburgh there, um, but it will be hopefully the last game at the Coliseum there before um, it hopefully shifts back to Pittsburgh. Um, and you know, just, but if it, if it, this is the last game of the season though, you're going to hear all these takes, Chad. Oh yeah, man, they got to go get tougher. They got to go get bigger. Brian Burke truculence and all this stuff. Oh, the, the stars were not good enough. And you know, all this other stuff. But if you look at the metrics and you see what Sidney Crosby, I mean, he's been, you know, Peter McGuire can say whatever the hell he wants on NBCSN. He talks about analytic equations. Been calling Adam Pellick a spider in case you all in Pittsburgh have not been hearing that. Um, Sid's been on the ice for way more chances than chances against when he's Pellick's been on there. And same with high danger. It's just the goalie has been really good. But you're going to hear all these talking points when in reality, man, even if the Penguins lose the series, I get it. It's three first round exits in a row. That's unacceptable for how deep this team is. The reality is, in my opinion, you can bring back almost the same team next year. Just go out, make a couple trades. I mean, I obviously know one of someone's going to take uh, uh, Seattle's going to take someone in expansion. If you want to go out and trade Pedersen to put PO POJ in, you want to trade Jason Zucker and get a package back, and then really just go get a goalie, and you can really just go back with the same group almost next year. And that's what I would do if I was Ron Hextall. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm I'm hoping that Zucker is is who Seattle takes. Yeah, me too. Um, that is a guy that I, if I'm looking at the team, that's probably the guy I would look to move. He has a huge cap cap hit of five, you know, over five million dollars. Um, as for them getting tougher, listen, the thing about this stuff is, okay, I'm 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 with you in sense. I actually said that I you know, hey, I wouldn't mind a having a a big talented forward in the top six give me a name because these guys are expensive can we go get matthew kachuk is that what you're asking well we're probably gonna have to give up a like i don't think like a brian rust basically i don't think people understand that these guys that you want them to go get are going to be extremely expensive because they're rare name me some top six forwards that can skate with crosby but that are also over six foot tall and are physical there's not a lot of them, and the guys that are there, the teams, these teams aren't going to be like, yeah, sure, take our, our, you know, one of the rare big giant forwards that also have the ability to play. I always say about Tom Wilson, listen, 
Tom Wilson's a goon, and that's actually the, the problem is that he's actually not a bad player. And if he just played hockey and used his size like a normal human being, I would probably be a huge fan of him, but he's a dirty, cheap shot artist. Yeah. But again, even someone like that, you think Washington's going to be like, yeah, sure. We know that you hate playing against Tom Wilson, but we'll give him to you for, for whatever. Like, I, you know, to me, I'm looking like, okay, if we can't get someone like that, you can't go out and get a Matthew Kachuk, right? Okay, then the next thing to do would be I like Brandon Tanev's game. I think that he is a nice blend of physical speed, skill. He doesn't have a lot of high-end skill, but he has enough to make a difference. If you can go find another guy like that, I'm all for it. Otherwise, I, I'm just looking at who is the best player that we can uh, to get. I do think that they can. I think they can find an upgrade over Jason Zucker in that top six role. And yeah, they need a goalie. They need they need someone. If you're if you're still going to be dedicated to Tristan Jari, which I'm not a hundred percent opposed to, because he is young and he has yes. shown the ability. But they need to bring someone in. Uh, uh, you mentioned Allmark. Uh, so just someone that I mean, there's a ton of, of veteran goalies out there. If you go on cap friendly, that are just con- like consistently decent goaltenders, and that's really all you need. That way, if Jari has his downs. Then you bring him in for a little bit, and it also allows you to push Tristan Jari. Look what happened to Matt Murray. Sometimes these young goalies, you know, when it's all on them, being a goal, I would not want to be a goalie. They, psychologically, Mark Andre Fleury had to go see a sports psychologist. Yes. This is one of the toughest positions to play in sports, and it's also one of the toughest positions to analyze. Even Jesse Marshall will tell you, like he hates analyzing goalies because a lot of it is mental, mm-hmm. and we don't have the ability to to know what they're thinking or seeing. So, yeah, I just want someone, a veteran backup, Peter Morazic's another name I brought up, and then uh, an upgrade over Jason Zucker. Otherwise, I'm loving this team. Latang, Dumoulin, Pedersen, Marino, I'm cool with that as the top four. Uh, I'm not moving Jake. I saw someone say that they should trade Jake Gensel. Oh, please. Why? Why? Because he, he's going through a scoring slump. Again, go watch uh, – go look up Jay Fresh. He'll show you mm-hmm. that all of the – unless you're Connor McDavid, all of these guys in the NHL – go through scoring slumps. It's just that you're a Pens fan, so you're only looking at it through a Pens point of view. He has the but most he, shots and shot attempts of any and, player. And high danger scoring chances. Yeah. So he's even going to the areas that you're that we're talking about. It's just not going in. It happens. All these guys go through slumps. Um, so, yeah, I think the team is fine. And Ron Hextall is not known to to blow things up. He's patient. He also has a very good track record when it comes to trades. And if anything, what's going to be funny is Ron Hextall has actually shown that he likes like skill, and he actually is a he, he in Philadelphia. He acquired a ton of European players, so it's going to be interesting because he's going to have Brian Burke in his ear saying we need truculents, but his track record is speed and skill. Again, I just want good players. I don't care if they're six foot four or five ten. Like Blake Coleman's another name I'm looking at the free agency list. To me, I would love Blake Coleman, and he's five eleven, yeah. but he doesn't play like he's five eleven. That that's and some he, truculence right there. I mean, that that fits yeah. what Brian Burke would want. <laughs> and, anyway. but, he, but he has but he has top nine skill. You oh, know what I'm saying? Like that's yeah. fine. That's that's who I want. I mean, so. yeah, I mean if, if they want to pay him, he'll cost he'll cost a lot to come here. It'll be more yeah. than just a six year, three and a half million dollar term to get but, him. You know, you take Jason Zucker out, and you put Blake Coleman in, and you yep. you take. Casey to Smith out, and you put this goalie in, and maybe you you look for a, a, maybe another bottom. Six if you if you put P.O. Joseph in, and you move Pedersen's yeah. contract out, I mean it's it's doable. I mean it, I mean, and then obviously, like you said, uh, Seattle is going to take a player. 
Um, you have to factor that into too. And yeah, I mean, Hextall is also a very patient GM. Um, from what I've read, he looks like he incorporates analytics in there. Um, from, from what I've read, at least from a couple of beat reporters, I think he apparently he talks to Sam and they just hired that Katarina um, mm-hmm. Wu person as well. So um, that'll be, I think, really big for this offseason as well. That being said, man, um, I, I'm not really sure how this is going to go tonight. Um, I, I have bad vibes just because this has been the Penguins' house of horrors for years. You know, at first it was the Philadelphia spectrum, right? You had that entire huge losing streak that happened well before I was born. Um, now you have this where they've lost 11, I think, of the last 16 playoff games they've been in there. Um, and it's against the team that has given them fits in the playoffs. I mean, you know, I've seen people comparing this series to 93. Wouldn't go that far just yet. I mean, I, I wasn't alive for that, but I know the history and I know how good that team was. And we all know what happened there. But um, do you have a gut feeling about tonight, Chad? Or I, I said on my live stream the other night that I think they're going to lose. But I, I all of a sudden, like today, I woke up and I was like, I don't know, man. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they... If they if they brought this thing back to Game Seven, if they bring it back to Game Seven, I think they will win the series. Yeah. Um, I I don't I don't have a prediction because I'm I'm terrible at predicting Penguins games because I think too much yeah, emotionally. Too. My prediction that is if they lose, it's going to be in another horrendous. Uh, like they're either going to get blown out or they're going to have another like flute like Jerry Jerry like play. But I think I think we'll know. The first ten minutes of this game, how it's gonna go? The vibe check. Uh, the vibe check. Jesse Marshall vibe check. If the Penguins come out and they're flying and they're forechecking and they're and and it's the same thing, I think they'll win the game. Uh, so I think you know, I know that's a cop out answer. My my gut does tell me that they're going to win tonight, and I'm probably gonna be very wrong about that. Me too. Um, yeah. But I, my for some reason. I don't know, man. I, I I I don't think Sorokin can keep this up. I know he was a a high prospect, but I I mean he's a young goalie. I would be shocked if he goes out there and throws another nine nine eighty save percentage out. So I think they win, and if they do win, they'll win the series. And if they lose tonight, it's going to be they might have just either packed it in, um, or again the bad luck's going to continue. Yeah, I think I saw a tweet there this morning from someone. It's like it's either it's going to be Game Six, 2016 against Tampa, where they play their best game of the series, or they're going to have like a goal score on them in the first five ten minutes of the game, and then they're just going to get blown the hell out. So yeah, um, we'll have to see. You know, I, I woke up this morning with a bad with a bad just bad vibes or just a sick stomach just because, like I said, like it's the house of horrors. It's going to be rocking up there. I don't know the last time they've ever clinched a series in the Coliseum. You got to go probably back 30 years, considering they haven't won a cup since the first Reagan administration. But um, as the day has gone on, I've gotten a little more comfortable. But you know, I still think they're going to lose. Hopefully, I am wrong. I eat crow after this. But um, thank you so much for coming on before the game. I very much appreciate it. Definitely. Um, and hopefully, uh, we are doing this again if the team. Uh, does move on and wins this game and, and then wins game seven to set up a rematch with Boston that is eight years in the making that I really do want to see. Yeah, man, thanks for having me on. And we'll probably uh, reach out to you at some point to have, you know, do a crossover again, but I really appreciate it. Yes, of course. Um, yeah, I'll just give you, uh, just plug in your podcast and where everyone can follow you and stuff. Yeah, MadChad412 on Twitter uh, and then YouTube, 412 Sports Talk, Spotify, 412 Sports Talk. 
We stream after every game. I'll be live tonight, and then we have a weekly uh, recorded podcast, uh, usually with a weekly guest mm-hmm. for either Steelers or Penguins Talk. Yes, please go check out their content. Like I said, they had Bob freaking Grove on last week. <laughs> they've had the former mayor on. They've had Bob Pompieni on. Um, and so much more. So please go check out their content. Him and Eddie do a great job. Again, Chad, thank you so much. And if this is the last episode of the season, thank you to everyone who has listened for the second season of this podcast. It has been a lot of fun, but hopefully Penguins find a way tonight and send this series back to Pittsburgh where I think you'll see 75% capacity at least on Friday for Game 7. But we'll see what happens. Again, thank you all so much for listening, and I'll talk to you all uh, tomorrow.